It's wonderful to see you this morning. Can I just add my welcome uh, to Tim's? My name is Jamie Mulvaney. I'm an associate minister here. And uh, it's wonderful to see you here this morning. Thank you so much uh, for being here. To him be glory in the church. You and I have a purpose. We've been put on earth for the purpose of bringing glory to God uh, as the church and in the church. And at our deepest, we all have a longing uh, to feel part of something more and bigger than our own little lives. To not waste our lives on things that don't really matter. So how do we do that? Because somehow Paul, Paul, he could be filled with wonder and glory uh, even in prison. And as the, as the church, perhaps we relate more to the idea of prison than to the idea of glory. We can feel captive to the world, captive to the world's priorities and the script that it wants us to live by. I wonder, did you see this week in the Times uh, this, that someone has developed, just like with COVID, an R rate, uh, an R rate not for COVID but for the church, and a number over one, uh, which means more people joining the church, and the church goes viral, and a number under one, and the church dies off. And you'll see here that they've charted uh, various denominations, including our own, and our demise within 50 years' time from now. now I think what this person was trying to do was, was to make a point about evangelism, uh, but in so doing, they have compared the church to a virus. And I think that's perhaps often the way that it might seem. And uh, far from, from bringing glory to God, we can appear to be more like a disease. And, and far from bringing glory to God, uh, we can even be a church that forgets God. In the, in the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus writes to this very same church in Ephesus uh, that they have forsaken their first love. He writes uh, to, to a nearby church um, asking, asking permission from this church for him to be let back into the church. And this is Jesus speaking. And yet what's on offer to us is glorious. It's what uh, I long for Rupi as a, as a father, just having had Rupert baptized. It's what we long for Daniel. It's what we uh, long for each and every one of us. It's what we long for the church. And the words in this passage are, are so familiar to, to many of us. We've, we've prayed them uh, countless times. We've rattled off the, 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 the grand words. Perhaps as we've scrolled through Instagram, got an endorphin hit by seeing uh, some of these famous words from Ephesians. But if, if we drill down deeper, into this passage, we find something extraordinary. We're like a, like a geologist, sort of inspecting, investigating an earthquake. And what we see are tectonic plates that are shifting. And the ancient ground that was once there is, is broken, and it's changed forever. But instead of, of bringing destruction, this particular earthquake brings something beautiful. Something constructive emerges. We see this stunning new landscape. And today in Ephesians, we arrive at the very epicenter of the book of Ephesians. And the heart behind the series that we're looking at uh, over these months, that church is for everyone. And what we see is that the shockwaves radiate out from here into all the other parts of Ephesians. The first shockwave is, is the mystery revealed about the church. The mystery revealed about the church. In verse six, 
The Apostle Paul writes that this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And this is the mystery, that when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he reconcile us to God, but he reconciled us to one another. And that's why Paul says it's a mystery, because God's people always knew that God, he would reach the Gentiles. But what they didn't expect, what they didn't know, is that there would be this creation of the church, the church where we see Jew and Gentile as exactly the same, arch enemies united, liberty, fraternity, equality. You know, you thought St. Paul was stuffy and old school. He's actually so woke, Piers Morgan would be speechless. If, if the definition of woke means to be awake, that's what I'm told it means. And Paul was awake, he was alert. He had his, his, he had his eyes open. Why did he have his eyes open? We see in verse three, the, the Holy Spirit had given him revelation. We see in verse four, that God had given him insight. So don't get me wrong, uh, Paul, he's not a self-righteous woke, he's not judgmental woke. And he tells us that we access all this by faith not by our own efforts. And the, the, the mystery here is that Jesus' mercy is, is mixed in with equality. And so, so today's talk of justice and tolerance and equality, that talk doesn't go nearly far enough because what people are longing to see today, what people are wanting for and hoping for, the changes that people are longing to see, the answers to the questions that everyone is asking is what we see in verse six. It's what Paul calls the promise in Christ Jesus. And that's where you're going to see it. That's where you're going to access it. It's a promise, Paul tells us. You can bank on this from Jesus Christ. So don't go looking for answers. Don't go searching for results anywhere else. What we see is God not aiming for isolated individuals with their precious rights. God has something far, far more glorious in mind. He's aiming much higher. We read in verse six that we are literally joint heirs, joint body, joint partakers. And that's why over the past uh, few weeks, Rima and Josh have been telling us that the, the cross is the great leveler. It levels us up. It levels us up to the heavenly realms to be seated with God. So whatever plans you have for your life. They're nowhere in the realm, nowhere in the league of what God has planned for your life. And you and I, we bring glory to God as the church, as our eyes are opened to this mystery of the church. We also bring glory to God uh, through the gospel proclaimed by the church. In verse 13, Paul says that even though I'm in prison, I don't want you to be discouraged. And yes, in the, in the church, there will always be discouragements. There's, there's bound to be. But there's also boundless riches. Paul writes in verse eight, I have boundless riches to preach. And we, we may have heard the, the governor of the Bank of England uh, recently using the word apocalyptic. It's always encouraging. Uh, but the, the word preach here, the word preach here means to bring good news, good news. 
And this news doesn't come to us as a faceless notification on our phones. But God has chosen to reveal this mystery through the church, through you and me, that we, we are the carriers of this message. And Jesus has, 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 for whatever reason, he's set it up that we, you and I, we embody this. And yes, that's daunting. And, and you can be like uh, how Paul describes himself in verse eight as, as less than the least of all God's people. You can even be like that. When Paul says that, by the way, he's not, he's not getting down on himself. But Paul, he's aware of his own sin. And twice in Ephesians, he describes himself with the word ego, uh, aware that he is an apostle. And so Paul, he's not getting down on himself. He's also not, he's also not walking around with swagger. But he is grounded. He's grounded in knowing his identity, knowing who he is, and knowing the authority that he's been given by Almighty God. He knows that because he's met Jesus Christ. The early church father, St. Irenaeus, he famously said that the glory of God is man fully alive. The glory of God is man fully alive. And it's a wonderful thought. People always leave out the next part of the, the quote where he says, and that life of man is the vision of God. That life of man is the vision of God. Paul, he has had vision of God. Do you have vision of God? Are you fully alive in Jesus Christ? And do you have Jesus' vision for the church? Paul has vision. Paul sees that the church is central to history. He writes in verse five and verse nine, this mystery was not made known in other generations, but it is now. Have a look at verse 10. Paul writes, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul knows, Paul, he knows that history is exactly that, it's his story, it's God's story, it's God's story uh, for the world, it's, it's a grand narrative, it's an epic. It's an epic, uh, not of, of wars waged between nations, but a, a war waged from, between God and the devil, and not of, of famous kings, but of people from every tribe and every nation, every color and every nationality, filled with the glory of God. So the church is central to history. The church is also central to the gospel. And you can, you can sit on the sidelines and, and criticize the church. There'll always be plenty to criticize in this life. And, 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 and sooner or later, uh, you will find in this life, you will, you'll come across Christians uh, who try to impart you with their wisdom and their knowledge and their opinions about God and the church and the kingdom. Uh, with an air of authority and omniscience, but they themselves are not part of a local church, and they have nothing more to learn from you and me, nothing more to learn about who God is. Don't waste your time, because the gospel is the message not just of new persons, but of a new people, and the church is intrinsic to the gospel. And the church is non-negotiable for Jesus Christ. And we are his bride. 
and he is not getting a divorce. And that's why the church is also central to Christian living, to our everyday lives. It's so interesting the way that um, the word suffering and glory is so often coupled, put together in, in the New Testament. And for instance, Jesus said that he would enter his glory through suffering. But here Paul says that the Gentiles, that their glory might come through his suffering. If we go back to, to verse one, Paul says, for this reason, I am a prisoner. I'm a prisoner. For which reason is he a prisoner? He is a prisoner for the Gentiles' full fat, undiluted inclusion in God's new society. And he's, he's so certain of the vision that he's had. That he will do whatever it takes. He will suffer whatever it costs, pay any price to see this vision become a reality. What are you willing to suffer for? And are you clear, do you have a vision on what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do in your life? You may have heard me speak recently about some research that Barna did on 18 to 35 year olds. And in that same research, uh, out of the, the Christians, uh, they found out that 56% didn't see being part of the church as essential to their faith. So that's the majority. Uh, only 44% uh, saw it as essential. 61% uh, said that they may become more active with the church later in life. And, and for what Barna are very unkindly, uncharitably called the dropouts, uh, the percentage of people who've dropped out of church, uh, that is 57%. And here in the UK, that number goes up to, to 73%. And actually, at each and every question, at each and every part of this particular survey, the UK performs worse than, than everyone else. Uh, than the, the average in the world. The church is not very high on the priority list. And when we, when we drop out of church, we drop out of the center, we, we drop out of the center of God's plan for humanity. And if, if the church is central to God's plan for our universe, for eternity, then the church needs to be central to our lives. Is the, is the church central? Is it the center of your diary, of your, of your finances, of your energy? I know so many of you do this incredibly well, but it's a challenge, it's a, it's a challenge for all of us. And if, you, if you're here this morning and you have baggage from the church, then join the club. But it is not God's will for your life that you would walk around in this life carrying that baggage. Can I urge you to take that baggage to Jesus Christ, to let him deal with it, to let him take it off you, and to take hold of that for which Jesus has taken hold of you. The word uh, glory that we're looking at this morning, the word glory, uh, we're looking at uh, in glory in Greek, uh, but the word for glory in Hebrew uh, means weight. And then the kind of glory that God wants to rest on you is not a, is not a weight that is gonna weigh you down. It's not a weight that is going to burden you. But it's a kind of weight, it's a kind of glory that as, as God rests on you with all that he is, he wants to lift you up so that your eyes might be lifted up, so your whole self, your whole being might be lifted up, 
and you might be aware of your position in Christ in the heavenly realms. Actually, uh, we, as a, we as a family, we're packing our bags. Uh, we're heading to Focus in July uh, with our newly baptized baby. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure much of that experience will not feel particularly glorious. But we are wanting to experience the, the electric, life-changing glory of God that you only experience when God's people get together. And here in, in London in the everyday, don't settle for project self. Don't settle for, for friendships of the lowest common denominator. Don't settle for playing church. Don't settle for groupings and gatherings that are just an insular Christian ghetto, cold to the world's pain, cold to the world's suffering. But if you and me, if we, like Paul, keep God's vision for the church central to our lives, and a vision for, for all that the church might be, then you and I will, too, be ready, like Paul, to suffer because we see that the vision is grand and the cost is worth it. Finally, Paul prays uh, this prayer for how the church may glorify God. And it's worth noting that he prays that you, you being plural, uh, that you all, that you, verse 18, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so Paul, he prays an impossible prayer. I mean, how do you, how do you span the love of God? How do you, how do you circumnavigate the love of God? The, the love uh, so wide, the love so wide that it welcomes us all, and it's, that it separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. The, the, the love so long that, that it covers us for all of eternity, forever and ever. The love so high that it loves us in a way much higher than our ways. And a love that reaches to the heavens. And a love so deep that loves us to the bottom of our souls and reaches, plucks us out of hell. You can measure the love of God. You can measure the love of God in space because you can measure God's love on a wooden cross. And you can measure God's love in time because we read in verse 10 that God's eternal purpose entered a very specific time with Jesus dying on the cross. And Paul says that we now, we as the church, we're now in the era, we're now in the age of the, the church revealing the love of God to the world. But you and I, we can only do that if we do what we read in verse 12. In Jesus and through faith in Jesus, we, we approach God with freedom and with confidence. Do you see the, the link there, the connection uh, in verses 20 and 21, that, that we bring glory to God as, as we expect great things from God, as we relish in God. You and I, we get to, to glory in Christ Jesus. What did the people in Ephesus glory in? Were they, they gloried in themselves, they gloried in their success, 
And they also gloried in the temple of Artemis, one of the, the seven great wonders of the ancient world. As in, I, I wonder what happened to the temple of Artemis. But our temple, our temple is not in ruins. Because our temple is a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul knows that this impossible prayer is possible. Because the church, the church is where you experience the love of God. And it's where you glory in God and all that he is doing. And so in a, in a nomadic and a transient world of, of church uh, consumerism, you and I, we can instead be like Paul. We can be rooted and established in God by being rooted and established in the church. And we might be strengthened with power. And God only knows what that will mean. But one thing's for sure, the, the impact that you and I will have, the impact that we will have, you won't be able to measure it. Not on a Richter scale, not with an R rate or anything like that. Because after all, this is the God of immeasurably more. The God who can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine according to his great power that is at work within us with all his boundless riches. You and I were made for more, immeasurably more. And if God answers this prayer, if God answers this, this prayer that Paul prays for us, then you and I, we will bring glory to Jesus in the church and as the church. Amen? Amen. Would you like to, to stand?